Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. In today's episode, we talk to Michael Rickson, who is originally from Finland and he currently lives in Lisbon in Portugal. He is the founder and head coach of Scientific Triathlon and he is also the host of a very popular show called uh, a podcast called the that triathlon show which is one of my favorite podcasts in the in the world michael started out as a runner then he uh, branched out to triathlon and then into full time coaching uh, i will hand it over to you uh, welcome to the show and uh, the listeners would love to hear from you directly in terms of your journey as an athlete how you got into coaching and uh, what are your priorities now Well thank you so much uh, Raj it's uh, a real pleasure to to be here it's uh, definitely a first one for me to be interviewed for uh, a podcast uh, in, uh, in based in India so I'm excited for that as we talked about in the pre-interview chat um yeah so so you mentioned some key points there in my journey and uh, I come from an engineering background and uh, basically in, in terms of sporting background I was playing football Uh, European football, so soccer, uh, throughout my youth until I started university. Then I started running um, mostly recreationally. I was not a fast runner by any means when I started out, but just and and I wasn't a serious runner either. I didn't like train a massive amount at first, but gradually over a period of several years, I got more and more into it and got more and more serious about it and uh, got faster as well. So so that was fun. I. I got pretty serious by the end so serious that I trained more than my body could handle and got injured which is how I found triathlon so I started cycling and and swimming while I couldn't run and then eventually I actually stay ended up staying in triathlon because I found that the the variety of having three sports to train for was was even more fun than I had found running originally and uh, and then after spending a couple of years two and a half years or so Uh, after graduation working as an engineer at a medical device startup company uh, while uh, doing my podcast and uh, some triathlon coaching on the side uh, i eventually decided to to try to see if i could make it full time as a as a coach and that's when i moved to portugal uh, because of better opportunities to train and race and so on uh, and uh, yeah that's uh, well that was in 2017 in the fall of 2017 and uh, Here we are uh, in the summer of 2020 and uh, it's uh, coming up on three years soon that I've been coaching full time and uh, the podcast is still going strong stronger than ever I should say so it's been it's been a really good journey but uh, yeah I've enjoyed uh, every step of it So uh, Michael I would like to start with the first question which is uh, what does it take somebody for somebody to get into triathlon whether it is in terms of existing fitness or training or in terms of even gear and things like that and uh, the, or in other words uh, how accessible is triathlon to somebody yeah so this is a, a great question because i think this is uh, an area where there are a lot of uh, of misconceptions around triathlon it is very inaccessible but actually it is very accessible you you don't need a lot to get started and try a triathlon Uh, it's important to point out that triathlon does not equal ironman or iron distance full distance triathlon even though a lot of people think when they hear triathlon they think that okay that means that you need to swim a heck of a long way and then you need to bike even longer and then you need to run a, a marathon 
by the end of that end. And that's obviously something that can be very intimidating. But that's not that's just one of the distances of triathlon. There's everything from super sprints and sprints and try a try is something that they call the mini triathlons, so to say, that you can just get your feet wet a little bit in the sport. So there are all these different distances. And I would definitely say that when you're first starting out, it makes sense to try something short. Depending on what your uh, current ability is, it could be a super sprint, which might be a 350 meter swim or a 400 meter swim and uh, something like a, an eight kilometer bike ride or 10 kilometer bike ride and a two, two and a half kilometer run. So something that you can do in, in not a long time at all. And, uh, and these are events that you can find if you look for your, at the local level, local triathlons, grassroots triathlons, if you look around at what exists then many of these races will offer uh, in addition to maybe having an olympic distance race or a sprint distance race which are slightly longer but not super long they will have these very short triathlons for people that just want to start out you can also uh, check with your with your national federation so the indian triathlon federation in in your case you could check their website or get in top contact with them on email and ask so which races offer these kinds of try a try or super sprint options if you if that's what you want to be going for so so really in terms of the distance and uh, the intimidation factor it's it's not big uh, obviously if you don't know to swim at all then you would need to learn how to swim just let's say 400 meters for a super sprint race but but that's basically it and in those races uh, the equipment requirements are very minimal so you do not need a wetsuit. You do not need uh, like a triathlon bike or a road bike. Uh, you would be fine with just having basically a pair of Speedos or a swimsuit, uh, shorts and a t-shirt and a pair of trainers and a helmet and any bike, which could be just a city bike or whatever, like an old granny bike, anything that will get you around the 8 or 10 kilometer or whatever you will be cycling, which you can do on on, on most any bike. So so I think that that's a great place to start with not buying all the equipment, just doing it with what you have or can borrow and and go for those short distances. So as a coach, do you have a particular preference uh, for somebody who has not done any triathlon? Do you recommend a super sprint or a sprint or for that matter, even an Olympic distance? Uh, and can you also just quickly explain at least the shorter distances for the uh, for the listeners, uh, uh, I, uh, so that's uh, that's one question I follow up question I had. Yeah, so a sprint distance is the shortest, very standard distance, and that's a 750 meter swim, uh, a 20 kilometer bike, and a five kilometer run. An Olympic distance is the one that they have in the Olympics, and uh, it is uh, a 1500 meter swim, a 40 kilometer bike, and a 10 kilometer run. And then the super sprint, as I discussed, they vary a little bit, and the try a try are generally similar to the super sprints but it might be something like a 400 meter swim a 10 kilometer bike and a two and a half kilometer run something to to that extent and in terms of if i have a preference um not really i think you could it really depends a bit on where you're starting from for a lot of listeners of this podcast they might be into running already so they have a a decent general fitness level a lot of people in that category could fairly easily at least if they know how to swim they could potentially do an olympic distance as their first race and it wouldn't be a problem it would be a bit of a bigger like a longer event for sure than, than something else but they could do it a lot of people do that 
And I wouldn't have anything against that. I think it's good to start with maybe a sprint distance because it's just something that you can get done in in not too long, let's say an hour and a half when you're starting out if you have a good general fitness level. And uh, so that's a good option. And, And if you're really somebody who is a bit more on the fence about the sport and maybe not so confident with for example the swim or or the bike for that matter then perhaps a a super sprint so it it really depends on where you are in terms of your current fitness level and and confidence level in in just how you feel about the different disciplines in triathlon okay so let's say now somebody who's into running or for that matter after listening to you somebody decides to get into triathlon can we start with uh, some of the overarching or basic training principles uh, for a beginner triathlete uh, let's talk about both kind kinds of athletes somebody who's doing a single sport now let's say just swimming or cycling or running as well as somebody who just wants to go you know experiment with the four triathlon straight away yeah um, so I think the general principles are the same as in running. So for those athletes already doing a sport, it will be very uh, similar. Uh, but, um, well, if we start with the, the one that's not doing anything at the moment, then uh, to start from the beginning, uh, the, the very first thing I would say is that consistency is king. You will probably hear that time and time again if you're listening to podcasts like uh, like this. And uh, that means that just keep training regularly, frequently, uh, don't get injured, don't get overtrained, and uh, don't take massive breaks in training. It's better to do frequent sessions almost every day or doing like big sessions and then having two or three days of no training at all. So, So that consistency and frequency of training are probably the two main things that if you don't remember anything else from from this interview, I would say that those would be probably the two most important ones. So, so, to, so Michael, you are saying that uh, do shorter or uh, in, for shorter time but do it more consistently maybe four days five days six days a week rather than do two hours one day and then either you are so destroyed you can't do anything for the next three days uh so that that's what basically you are saying right exactly yeah it's better to train six days a week for 30 minutes than three days per week for one hour understood okay now if if that is the case obviously you know unlike any other single sport uh uh, any other single sport thing triathlon has three uh, three disciplines in it so how would you broadly apportion the time let's say uh, somebody has got uh, four hours of training uh, time available in a week or five hours how will you split it between the different uh, disciplines and i understand that you know it would vary eventually between the athlete to athlete but broadly how how will you look at it yeah, it, it dep- if we have somebody who is fairly similarly strong in all three disciplines, then the bike would probably be 40 to 50% of the total training time. And uh, then the run might be 25 to 30%, and the swim would be uh, 25, uh, 20 to 30%. So uh, something along those lines. So with five hours, maybe two hours will be spent on the on the bike and perhaps one and a half each for the for the swim and the run and obviously if we have somebody coming from a running background then maybe they would do a little bit less running and a little bit more swimming for example if they're getting used to swimming it might be a good idea to swim three times per week to start with and maybe those aren't very long sessions but let's say three 30 minute sessions per week and i would put them to one and a half hours of swimming and maybe 
two hours of biking well that still gives them um, one and a half hours of running i guess for a five hour week but broadly speaking that's that's how how i would split it up and yeah yeah if you want to go deeper then let me know yeah i would like to so that's that was a starting point but let's say somebody has a bit more time let's say can train for seven to eight hours including a couple of longer sessions uh, let's say one and a half hours uh, each day on the weekend or things like that how would you then uh, tweak or change this uh, training schedule so yeah that's that's great if if somebody has the option to do longer workouts on the weekend then that's obviously great and then i think that uh, the pretty like obvious thing to do would be to make one of those uh, longer days of bike ride and the bike ride ideally i would say like you can build up to well first it obviously depends on where you're starting out if you are somebody who's coming off the couch right now then imagining a two-hour bike ride will be intimidating so that's not what you're building up towards at first but if you are somebody who is a runner already and you're used to doing 90 minute long runs or you're running marathons or something then a two-hour bike ride won't be intimidating at all so that's what i would recommend maybe building up towards not starting out immediately but building up towards that and and then the run i don't think that especially not if you're working towards a sprint or olympic triathlons you don't really need to do anything longer than uh, well, you don't need to do any very long run, but an ideal long run for fitness improvements and for getting fast would be to go up to 90 minutes for, for the run, I think. But uh, yeah, other than that, I think that a general training structure, again, if you're fairly uh, evenly strong across disciplines, would be uh, maybe to train two times per week in each discipline and have one day that is maybe strength training or strength and conditioning only. Uh, or just a complete rest day that's for many beginners that's what i recommend building towards that so two swims two bikes and two runs and of those you would have that one longer bike and that one longer run and then the other the shorter bike and the shorter run during the week would be have perhaps some have some sort of intensity in them so some sort of intervals and the same with the swim you would have two swims per week and uh, and you could have both of them would have maybe a little bit of everything, to be honest, for most beginners, some technique work, a little bit of speed work, if the technique is good enough to to do that, and, and some endurance work. So so that would be a, a fairly general structure. Okay. Now, coming to, I mean, you just touched upon it, but uh, can you uh, give a little more details on the variety in the training? Uh, you, you talked about intervals and a bit of speed work. Uh, are there any other aspects which you think beginners will... Uh, benefit from yeah i i think that uh yes definitely if you want to just complete a triathlon you can absolutely do that by just going out and and jogging at the same uh, same speed every day and uh, cycling at the same speed every day swimming at the same pace but uh, that's definitely not the way to get to your fastest self to realize your full potential so for most people, like they might work, train for a couple of months to do their first sprint or super sprint, and then they get hooked and uh, this is fun and they want to do another one and they want to maybe try to go a little bit faster. And at that point, you definitely want to include some variety in your training to, to be able to, to accelerate your fitness improvements. And one of the main things to do there is, as you said, to include some intervals and you don't have to do that or you shouldn't do that every day of training but you should do that uh, a couple of times per week maybe once per week in each discipline 
So one run per week with some intervals and one uh, bike ride per week with intervals and one swim per week with intervals. And honestly, like how you do those intervals at the beginner stage, maybe it doesn't matter so much. Like it could be that you're doing five times three minute intervals and you try to go at a hard pace, hard effort for three minutes, but only as hard that you can sustain it from the first to the last interval. And you then you go three or four or five minutes very easy between those intervals. And But is that any better than going doing something like, let's say, uh, two by 10 minutes or three by eight minutes and having some sort of rest between them? Honestly, for most beginners, the, the differences are probably not that big as long as you are working on a variation of of intensity and in some workouts you are pushing yourself a bit closer to a bit greater fatigue level like you would be in those harder sessions so uh, we could go like that's a very deep rabbit hole to go down into like what kinds of intros to do when probably a bit too advanced for for this discussion but generally speaking the idea being that yes you need to have some sort of variation and i also think that a variation in speed and effort you can something that is very useful to do could be to introduce some very short speed work so for example even if you have your long bike ride your 90 minute bike ride on the weekend maybe after warm-up after 20 minutes you do just four or six or eight times 15 seconds as hard as you can with like one or two minutes recovery and so that's a very short total duration of work basically it's one or two minutes of total work but it's all out and sprints so actually you don't really feel your brain doesn't really register it as feeling very hard because they're so short but even doing those kinds of things on the bike and on the run and in the pool in the pool maybe you do 15 meter sprints you don't even sprint the entire 25 meters just less than or a bit more than half of it those those sorts of things are also good for just training your brain to communicate effectively for your uh, your muscles to contract and those sorts of things so that's another aspect of variety i would include yeah in fact the first time i he- heard about uh, this was on your podcast these are called miracle intervals right uh, the short ones with the long long recovery period long means relative to the interval maybe 10 to 20 seconds to 30 seconds interval and then you take two to three four minutes uh, full recovery and then repeat it uh, so yeah these are this is something i use in my training and i think it's uh, it's got uh, tremendous uh, benefits so that's mm. that's very useful uh, in terms of uh, a time frame let's say uh, what's how many weeks is typically uh, training to let's say a sprint or an olympic distance uh, triathlon so this really depends on where you're starting from. Let, let's say that you are actually, you, you have learned how to swim as a kid, perhaps. So so you know basically how to swim, but maybe you don't have the fitness right now. So you need to work up that fitness and also you need to work up the bike fitness, the run fitness maybe you already have because you have been running if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, then I would say that to do a sprint, like you could, you could work up to do a sprint uh, probably in, in four weeks or so uh, if you have that running background because you're already generally fit. So that wouldn't be be an issue. Uh, you could do an Olympic in six or with six or eight weeks training, uh, I would say. Uh, obviously, the longer time you have to prepare, the fitter you'll get. But, but I don't think that you, 
you don't need to think that you need to put in 16 weeks of work just to do a triathlon. I think that's one of the things that makes the sport have a perception of being inaccessible. Uh, actually, take a gutsy, confident approach that, hey, I can do this with just a few weeks and, and I think you will be fine. And But then just realize that the more you do training, the, the fitter you'll get and the, uh, the less uh, those races will destroy you eventually. Okay. Uh, you touched upon this, but I would just like to go back. Uh, for a lot of the athletes who are listeners to this podcast, they may be slightly older athletes who also need to take care of their general body conditioning. So which means strength training is an important aspect. Uh, how do you how do you fit it in? And is the strength training for triathlon somewhat different from, let's say, single sport things like swimming, cycling or running? Uh, it's not it's not very different i wouldn't say uh, i would uh yeah for, for me if i could triathlete compared to a runner uh it would honestly be very similar very very similar so it really depends a bit on on where you are like if you for an older athlete let's say especially somebody 50 years or, or, or older i actually think it's quite important to go to the gym and lift some weights just to maintain muscle mass which is something that uh, deteriorates with age. And that's something that we want to to counteract. So that's something that even if you're not a runner necessarily or a triathlete or an endurance athlete at all, I think that that's something that, well, when, when, I'm, when I'm 50, I will definitely, knowing what I know, go to the gym and lift, weight, lift weights a couple of times per week just to prevent that loss of muscle mass. But uh, for athletes that are not at that age, that sort of have a choice and it's more about the performance in triathlon or in running then i think it depends a bit let's say you are somebody now you're a runner and you're interested in trying some triathlons you're not necessarily used to going to the gym maybe you do some core work at home every now and then i think that uh, when you're first starting out in triathlon you don't need to also add going to the gym and learning like weightlifting olympic lifts or anything like that uh, to the number of things that are new i would just coach that athlete by giving them a two or three times per week doing home-based uh, strength and conditioning so things you can do with body weight mostly or maybe just getting like a five liter bottle of water that you can get at a grocery store as weights and things like that you and you can do again the same principle applies uh, frequency trumps duration of the individual session so rather than doing strength training for one hour, I would prefer them to do uh, three times 15 minutes and they could do that once they get in from a run or a bike ride or or even uh, on the pool deck after they finish their swim. So combining so, it with So essentially what you're saying, it's uh, other, than, uh, other than athletes uh, who are uh, older, for the other the rest of the population, this, this can be something which is optional or where you can also get away at least for your first triathlon with uh, minimal body weight exercises which you would otherwise have been doing as well so yes yeah since, since we're talking about more beginners now i would definitely say that the going to the gym is absolutely optional uh, my answer uh, might be quite different if we're talking about uh, athletes that uh, are on the more advanced they're trying to get on the podium and win races uh, they maybe they're training at a high training volume 15 to 20 hours per week then I might answer differently, but but for this population, if we're not talking about an uh, some somebody that is fifty 
plus years old and they're a beginner, they're just working towards their first triathlon. I think that you you can obviously like I think that it's good if they want to go to the gym and if it's somebody who is used to going to the gym, then absolutely there's nothing stopping you from keeping on doing that. That's that's a good thing to do. But I wouldn't say that somebody has to start going to the gym just because they're preparing for a triathlon. Got it. Okay. Uh, coming to swimming, I think one of the things that uh, you know I have heard and uh, also you know listening to some of your guests uh, uh, understood that open water swimming is a very different beast compared to where you train normally. Most people train in a pool. Uh, so can you throw some uh, color on that? Uh, how different it is, and how can uh, again, uh, athletes prepare themselves on the swim side with uh, open or not open water swimming. Yes, that, that's absolutely correct. It is uh, quite different, and uh, yeah, funnily enough, even many swimmers that are very, very good and fast pool swimmers can even have some sort of anxiety about open water swimming. And uh, so, so it's not something that is uh, uncommon at all to feel a bit anxious about swimming in the open water. Uh, I think that that being said, like when you practice swimming regularly in the pool, you get more confident in your abilities in swimming in the pool. Generally, that will translate to being also more confident and a better swimmer in the open water. But then, of course, there are some specifics to open water swimming as well that you will want to practice. And definitely before doing a race, I, I would say that it's very critical to not have the race be your first time swimming in the open water you should get in uh, at least two or three uh, open water swims before your race to get used to that because on race day as well in addition to being in, in the open water you have the factor of being with potentially hundreds of other people and uh, it can be quite chaotic in a way so so really you need to be sure that at least you are confident in in the open water by yourself before putting yourself into that situation where there are hundreds of other people around you so so i think that uh, you want to practice just being in the open water by being in the open water but there are some things that you can also practice in the pool so practicing your siding technique meaning how you look up while you're swimming to take sight towards the buoy that is the the target that you're swimming towards and not have that disrupt your stroke and not have that disrupt your breathing so so things like things like that there are some things that you can practice in the pool and some things that are specific to the open water uh, but uh, one thing one additional thing i should say and this is just generally if you want to learn how to swim but uh, but it will translate well to the open water i would say that one of the best investments a beginner triathlete can do is to get a few uh, one-on-one uh, swim lessons and they can be swim lessons in the pool but what will happen then is that you'll get so much more confident and so much better. Your abilities will improve so much more by having that one-on-one feedback, that coach on deck to tell you how to improve your technique, that they will rapidly accelerate your confidence in swimming in general. And again, that general improvement in swimming will translate very well to the open water. So there is less of a chance that you will feel anxious and feel that you're not confident in your abilities when you get to the open water, whether it's training or on race day. Got it. Okay. So leading from there are the questions uh, around gear, right? I mean, for cycling, power is the uh, default option in terms of uh, looking at your output. Uh, Obviously, in running, power is becoming more popular. 
then there is heart rate monitors and what have you. So can you give some uh, overview on what sort of gear is uh, necessary and what is good to have but not must have? Yeah, so as I discussed uh, in the very first question, uh, for doing for getting into triathlon or just trying it, getting your feet wet, absolutely none of that is necessary. You you can just go out and train and uh, and basically train to do the distance. Perhaps you download a phone app so that you know how how far you're running and how far you're cycling. Swimming, obviously, you can count laps in the pool. It's very easy, so so that's not a problem. Uh, and swimming also, you, you actually have generally most pools that are for training. You have a pace clock that will help you keep track of your, your interval times as well. But uh, once you, let's say you have passed that benchmark or having done your first triathlon and you you get hooked and you want to, to improve, at that point, I think it makes sense to, to have some gear, get some gear if you don't have it already. Uh, to make sure that you know how fast you're running or what your intensity is through measuring heart rate and so on. And then I think that the power meter is great for cycling, but it's also one of the most expensive investments, even though they are getting cheaper. Now you can get a power meter for uh, between three, 400 euros, uh, I believe. So, so actually, it used to be that you couldn't get a power meter for anything less than 900 euros or 1,000 euros not too long ago. So, so they, they are rapidly coming down in price, meaning they get more accessible. But still, that's one of those things that a lot of beginners don't get immediately because it's quite a big investment and it's absolutely fine not to get one. Uh, I think that a lot of people, especially those coming from running, already have a GPS watch and a heart rate monitor. And you can get really far on those two because the GPS watch you can use when you're cycling to get your speed and your heart rate and heart rate can be used very well to control intensity and uh, the same it can obviously be used for running as well for both speed and and heart rate so and and for swimming uh, obviously if you have a specific triathlon watch like uh, this one we have video connection here so uh, i'm showing my watch the listeners maybe can't see this but uh, the triathlon watches they have specific swim functionality so you can time your swims but uh, honestly, a lot of triathletes prefer not to use a watch when they're swimming and they get by just fine. And we're talking about the uh, professionals as well, the best in the world. And the reason for this is, as I said, that many pools have a pace clock. So you see the seconds and you just look at where the second counter is when you're heading off on your interval. And then you look at where it is when you're coming back and you know immediately how fast you, you swam that interval. So, so really for swimming, there is no need to have anything. So so really, you could get by on your running GPS watch and heart rate monitor that you already have, and that can get you pretty far. I would say that if you want to take the next step and invest in some gear that will help you train, maybe getting a triathlon-specific triathlon watch would be good because then you can also have that for open water swimming. The cycling functionality is a bit better for running. It isn't ideal to do the bike training uh, with the with a run gps monitor because the speed will not necessarily display correctly it will show minutes and seconds per kilometer rather than kilometers per hour and so on so so a triathlon specific gps watch might be a good idea and if you already have a heart rate monitor obviously you have that otherwise a heart rate monitor is a great and relatively speaking a very cheap investment that you can use in both running and cycling to control your intensity and and control your training 
Okay. Thank you, Michael, for that. Uh, that was quite uh, detailed and useful. Okay. Now, let's say that uh, somebody has uh, done uh, their first triathlon or the, some of the listeners have done a few triathlons and now they want to either move up the distance or improve the performance. What are some of the key things that uh, they can do? Now, they are not looking just to complete, but to have a better performance in terms of uh, timing. Yeah, uh, the ideal thing to do would be to get a coach. And uh, that's maybe not something that is uh, possible for everybody. But but if it is possible, then that's by far the best thing you can do, because then you will uh, get somebody who helps you uh, on an individual basis, figure out what the what the best training training for you might be. So so I would say that uh, that if you have any any chance of doing that, getting a coach, then then that will be the best thing you can do to uh, to keep improving. Whether it's improving like improving your speed and your your time for uh, staying at sprint or Olympic distance, or if you want to go for a longer event, let's say you want to do your first half or full Ironman, then obviously they will help with that as well. Uh, so, so that would be the the number one recommendation. Uh, other than that, uh, I think that really that there is one thing that above all else will help you improve, and that is just to gradually increase your training volume. And especially if you're going for uh, something like a half or a full distance, this will be uh, perhaps even necessary uh, to, uh, to to basically be able to complete the race. But but even if you are training for sprint or Olympic distance to get faster over those, like there's training volume correlates very, very well with performance. And obviously, this doesn't mean that you should uh, suddenly like have a massive increase in training volume. But if you over time gradually start to train more and more in terms of volume, still keep a, a large amount of lower intensity training. So something not too taxing, just basically base training, if you want to call it that. Zone two training, if your listeners are familiar with a five-zone model, then that's great, but also still having some of the speed work that we talked about earlier. Then, But that volume increase is what will eventually translate the best, I think, to improved performance. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, Michael, I do a quiz segment with uh, my guests. Uh, this is a, just a fun segment of uh, five questions. Uh, so if you are uh, ready for that, uh, we, we can quickly go through that. Yes, I am. Before we start the quiz, I want to let listeners know that all the resources being discussed here are included in the show notes. So do refer to those uh, links for further information. I also request all of you who are listening to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. Now to the quiz. Okay, the first one is on triathlon, obviously. Uh, there is only one person, man or woman, who has defended the Olympic gold in triathlon. Do you know who that is? Well, I have a poster of him here in my in my office. It's Alistair Brownlee. Oh, you have a poster of him. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Uh, there is a... Okay, next question is on a supplement, which is uh, quite popular. A lot of uh, athletes uh, use it. Uh, it comes from the maiden hair tree. Do you know what uh, it's popularly known as? Well, I do. It's Jinko. Uh, the next one uh, is uh, is about a company which was founded by Lee Shang and Jamie Williamson, uh, and they may they currently make a device which is extremely popular among runners. Do you know what is the name of the device? Uh, no, I don't. So this is the Stride Running Power Meter. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know that those were the, the founders' names. 
Ha, okay. And uh, the next one is on physiology. Uh, again, uh, probably up your creep. So there is now a very widely accepted and well-researched physiological parameters, which athletes use, coach use, coaches use to determine training workload by measuring the balance uh, in the body between sympathetic and parasympathetic states. So what is this uh, physiological parameter? That's heart rate variability. Oh, excellent. Yes, heart rate variability. And the last question, uh, last question is on Tour de France. So the leader of the, uh, at the end of every stage in Tour de France, as you know, wears an yellow jersey. What is this classification called? It's a general classification. Yes, excellent. Okay, so thank you so much for that. Uh, now, coming to uh, coming to you, uh, your personal recommendations on any books or blogs or YouTube channels, uh, websites, uh, whatever you follow, uh, which can be of uh, use and help to the listeners. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about this question actually, and uh, so th this is basically where I'm coming from here. With this is uh, considering that most of the people listening to this might be new to triathlon, never having done one, but being, but that some of them will, will hopefully be interested in doing one. the The first resource I would recommend again, it's not something that necessarily I use personally, but the Global Triathlon Network channel on YouTube. Has, they have a lot of good content, uh, and especially for beginners, I think that that content will be something that is very good for many different reasons, practical tips, and uh, yeah, that, the Global Triathlon Network, GTN, that would be my number one go-to resource for beginners. Then uh, this, in terms of swimming, which might be the biggest challenge, uh, a great book is uh, the Swim Smooth book. And uh, that would be the Swim Smooth also has a blog and a website, so you can check that out as well. That they all have, they are all great resources, but the book in particular I want to highlight. This is then, Swim Smooth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Sorry. And then, then I did a series of beginner tips on my podcast on that triathlon show. It was a while ago, but if you scroll back through the archives way back or you search beginner tips that triathlon show on Google, you will find them. And I think there are 38 of them. Actually, I might put them all on one single page on the website. Uh, I can do that, and then we can link to it uh, if you have show notes. So uh, I do. So, those... so I will anyway link uh, your resources, and uh, uh, obviously I will link this podcast uh, as well. So uh, yeah. the material which we can access from you, we will anyway uh, separately have a, uh, you know, in the show notes. All right. Yeah. So, so I'll make a page on the website where I have collected all those beginner tip episodes that I that I did a while back. So, so that's a lot of podcasting content. And finally, for I think that something that can be great for beginners as well as for anybody, uh, for inspiration and motivation, some biographies that I really enjoyed from triathletes is especially a life without limits by Chrissy Wellington. That would be my number one recommendation. But then we also have Swim Bike Run by Alistair and Jonathan Brownlee. Uh, and and uh, I'm Here to Win by Chris McCormack. Those are three uh, biographies that I really enjoyed. And uh, if you were to start with one, I would say A Life Without Limits by Chrissy Wellington is an absolutely awe-inspiring book. Okay. I will link uh, link to all of, these, uh, all of these in the show notes. And in terms of uh, your own resources, uh, obviously scientifictriathlon.com is uh, the main uh, website of yours, which has both the podcast as well as uh, your coaching and some other uh, materials as well. Uh, are there any other uh, ways in which listeners can contact you? 
Um, that, yeah, that's that's the best way. Go to scientifictraveling.com and they can find the contact details if they want to email me on there. Uh, my email is, I can, get, can give it here. It's michael at scientifictraveling.com. Uh, michael is spelled with a K, uh, so M-I-K-A-E-L. But you'll find contact details on, on the website, on scientifictraveling.com. And the podcast is called That Triathlon Show, and that's available in any podcast app. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. That was really, really helpful. Really appreciate the time you have taken. And I'm sure the listeners will greatly benefit. I certainly got a lot of insight as I am thinking of my first uh, triathlon. So, and thank you very much for the triathlon show, which uh, you know I'm a big fan of and all the resources you put online. A uh, lot of us benefit from it from all over the world. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you for having me, Raj, and uh, that's exciting. Good, good luck for your first uh, triathlon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to all the listeners. As I mentioned, all the resources discussed here are included in the show notes. So do refer to those links for further information. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are Running and Fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. Please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until the next show, goodbye.